Good morning, everybody. In case you missed it this morning, we're all about Jesus here. Amen. And nothing else, because nothing else is worth being about other than Jesus. So uh, I thought I'd just preach about Jesus today. Um, if that's all right with you guys. If it's not, too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. I feel a bit... Um, when I was a kid growing up, I had brothers, you know, there's, we had quite a, a big family, and, and sometimes mum and dad would go away, and we'd get up to all sorts of mischief, but get everything looking tidy again by the time they got back. I feel that, that we, maybe we do that today, Russ and Mary aren't here, so. <laughs> so have a bit of fun, but we'll put everything back together before, uh, before they get back. <laughs> um, I, had, uh, I had a couple of wisdom teeth violently torn from my skull on Thursday. Now, if I start to dribble out the side of my mouth, that's why. Um, yeah, I won't, won't say anything. It was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced, just, just to put it out there. But it's done now. Thank you, Lord. Um, we are used to celebrating events, aren't we? We love celebrating events and... and um, all sorts of things like Christmas, who loves Christmas, and Easter, we celebrate Easter, we celebrate birthdays, um, we celebrate wedding anniversaries. But what's interesting to note is that we remember our birthday, well we don't actually remember our birthday, if you can remember your birthday, um, that's pretty weird, but, but we remember as in we think about the time we were born, but we don't live in the reality of of being born. We live in the reality of being alive, don't we? Of right now. So we live in the fullness of what being born has allowed me to be. Does that make sense? Same thing with like a wedding anniversary. So Fee and I have been married for 11 years. And, um, and we, every year we remember our wedding anniversary, but we don't live in the moment of our wedding, do we? We don't live in that moment 11 years ago, that sort of slightly awkward sort of moment. (laughs) But we live in a much deeper reality of a union that began then, and we live in a deeper truth of that now. So consider Christmas. You know, every Christmas we remember Jesus as a little baby. And how he came and the story and, you know, we, we do all that stuff. But we don't live in the reality of Jesus as an infant. We live in the reality of his kingship, a ruling king. You know, at Easter time, we remember Jesus when he died on the cross. And we alluded to that this morning when, in, in the songs and, and, um, and the, you know, the power that was released but we don't live in the reality of his death, but in the continuing revelation of his resurrection. And we celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday. Every Easter time, we celebrate that he's alive. But do you know what? He's just alive today as he was on April the 4th, right now, at this moment, in this room. He's just as alive. And so we have communion sometimes, not today, but sometimes we have communion and we remember him, but not for just what he has done historically, but that he's established covenant with us. Now, a covenant is an ongoing 
relationship agreement. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, if my calendar is correct. But did you know that the Holy Spirit who came 2,000 years ago never left? He's still here. And so we can celebrate things like Pentecost Sunday, and, and we should, but it's the beginning of a deeper reality that we're still living in right now. And so we must never look back and neglect what's happening today in this moment. He's never left. Jesus has never stopped doing what he came to do. And so when we view things only from a historical perspective, we can, we can lose the view of what's happening in the here and now. If we view them only as a historical event, we don't see them that, that actually it's the birth of a new paradigm that's still relevant right now. And it's the truth that we live in today. Or sometimes we think with nostalgia and we look back and we think, oh, that's right, that, that church I used to be part of or the group I used to go to or the, the, the event that happened in my past and it was so good and so amazing and we get caught up in nostalgia. The problem is with nostalgia is that it blinds you to what's happening right now and it shifts your perspective away from what God's doing now to, oh, what, what happened a long time ago? Did you know that we are here for such a time as this. We're not here by accident. It's not by chance you walked into this room today. We didn't get born at the wrong time. I love the 80s. Um, for those of you who know, I'm an avid collector of old technology, like old broken computers and stuff. Uh, I love all that stuff from from that era that like you know it's such a pioneering era and but I don't I don't want to live in the 80s I've already done that because I'm living for now God's positioned me here in this moment right here right now so we have to have eyes to see what he's doing right here right now um Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says this and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That's essentially saying God has made you in the right time and the right place. Then it goes on to say, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So we're in this place of darkness, and we reach out and we find him. But we don't just find him and then go on a merry way. We find him, and what does it say? For in him we live and move and have our being. So we find him, and he becomes part of our current context. He becomes part of our now and our, continue, and our future from that moment forward. So the fact that you are in this place at this time is significant and is part of what he is doing right now. Turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So Jesus has, um, just give you some context for this story, Jesus was baptized by John, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 
He went into the desert for a while, uh, was tempted in the desert. He came out of the desert and went to his hometown. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Oh, is this not Joseph's son? Now the rest of this story, it reads a little bit like a Monty Python sketch. Everyone's like, wow, Jesus, he's amazing. And we know, we, like, we saw him grow up and look at him now, he's amazing. And then Jesus goes on to say, hey, uh, you know, that same Holy Spirit that, was on, that came upon the prophets of old, Elijah and Elisha, that same Holy Spirit is now upon me and is for everyone, not just the Jews. And all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, we hate this guy, let's kill him. It's just it's the bizarre story, like they just swing from one extreme to the other. Because they were unwilling to see Jesus in the current context that he is the Messiah. Instead, only knowing him by their limited and historical understanding and interpreting Jesus through a filter. Do we, do you, do I interpret Jesus through a filter that distorts his true nature? Do we know him for who he says he is, or do we know him through what someone else has said he is? Do we prefer a Jesus meek and mild that we can wheel out on special occasions? But not the Jesus that says awkward things and challenges us to change. You know, Jesus doesn't want to be viewed only in a historical context, i.e. what he did, because we'll miss what he's doing right now. So it's good to remember what he's done. Don't get me wrong. I love to remember all the things that Jesus has done in my life, the victories, the breakthroughs, the miracles. But I don't live in that place. You know, he's my champion. But I don't live in the past in those moments, I live in the context of what he's doing today. We, um, you might have noticed if you've come to um, this church for a while, sometimes we just change the words of the songs. Uh, <laughs> sometimes the song's about, about singing to Jesus and we got, you know what? No, singing about Jesus and we say, let's change the words, let's sing to him. And it changes our focus and our perspective and reminds us that he's here right now. And he's not just someone that we sing about some, in some distant place at some distant time. He is here right now. And we worship you and we praise you, Jesus. So he's here, but what is he doing right now? I'm glad you asked. 
uh, because the verse is already up there. Thanks, Tony. Um, Luke 4.18, he is doing this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what he came to do. And guess what? He's still doing it. He's still doing that. But there is one key difference between then and now. In John 14, it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So not only is Jesus still doing the thing that he came to do, now he wants us to get in on the plan. He's like, I'm bringing you in on this thing. You're going to be part of what I'm still doing. And not just a part of it, there's going to be an increase in what he's doing. How does that happen? Because he goes to the Father. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. In John 16, Jesus explains it, verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, talking about going to the Father, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Greater works are only possible by the one who is the greatest inside of us. God has ordained us to be right here, right now. There's no mistake that we're living here in this moment and in this place so that he can continue to do what he is doing and has been doing for the last 2,000 years. But now instead of him doing it on his own, he sends us the Holy Spirit so he can be inside each one of us. And we can be empowered to partner with his plan. So how do we partner with his plan? Well, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the, uh, the first line is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The first step to partnering with what he is doing is to receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, um, all the disciples had gathered together and um, Jesus was just about to shoot back off up to heaven and he said this to them, uh, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And he's referring back to when he told them just about the Holy Spirit, which we just read out a second ago. Because we can't partner with his plan without his spirit. In John chapter 16, it says this, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
Because if you aren't filled with and being led by the Holy Spirit, then guess what? That's your plan. That's not partnering with his plan. That's your plan. Um, and in fact, I'd maybe take it a bit further in saying, if you're not being led by the Spirit, then because it leads us into all truth, you would be in deception. So you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, thankfully, it's not rocket surgery. It's, it's uh, not pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah, nice. Topical. Very good. Um, in, in Acts chapter 8, it says this, uh, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the word alone is not enough? Like a a wise gentleman who's not here today often says, it's like the two wings of a plane. Word and the Spirit. In fact, I'm going to get my own illustration. It's like I bought a motorcycle yesterday. So BMW R1150R. Twin cylinder. So it's like uh, when I got it, it was running rough because one of the cylinders, the throttle was set differently to the other side. So what we need is both cylinders running at the same full potential for it to run smoothly. And it's the Word and the Spirit. It's not a balance between one and the other. It's both the Word and the Spirit running at their full potential. Don't neglect one for the other, both in fullness. How are we to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Luke chapter 11 verse 13 says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's it. That's it. That's what you've got to do. You don't have to um, do a course or chant any special words. You just ask him. If you haven't been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then today could be your day. You just have to ask him. We'll make some time after the service, um, and you're welcome to come up the front or grab the person next to you or however you want to do it and ask them to just be with you as you ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you that um, because you receive the Holy Spirit by faith, that his presence isn't confirmed by feeling, but it's confirmed by his word. Anyway, back to Luke 4. So the rest of what Jesus is doing starts with the Spirit of the Lord and everything else that he is doing, the, the um, healing the broken heart and the liberty of the captives, it's all in the power of the Spirit. So preach the gospel to the poor is one of the things that he's still doing. Um, Tony, I might get you to leave that verse up if you don't mind that passage, Luke 4, 18. Preach the gospel to the poor. It's one of the things that Jesus is still doing. Who's poor? Well, that's anyone who hasn't heard the gospel yet. But it's interesting because in Luke 12, 12, it says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to be part of our speech. It wants to be part of, of <clears throat> the way we talk to people and the way we speak. 
What else is Jesus still doing? He's healing the brokenhearted. In John 14, the Holy Spirit is described as parakletos, which means helper or comforter. You see, the Holy Spirit is invested in helping the hurting. We're surrounded by hurting people who hurt people. You might be one yourself. So Jesus is still healing the brokenhearted, and the Holy Spirit is a part of that. Liberty to the captives. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There are so many held captive by worldly ways of thinking or by religion. They have become conformed to the pattern of the world. Jesus wants to bring freedom, to see things from a kingdom perspective. Steve's been preparing a, um, a, a series on kingdom finance. Because, you know, finance is one, one area where we don't talk much about it in the church and it's easy to fall into the pattern of thinking of the world when it comes to how you manage your finance and you get trapped into debt and become a slave. There's freedom there. Kingdom relationships is another thing that we want to have a look at here at Redemption Hills because it's easy where, where you see what, you know, if you're not taught specifically what the Bible says and, and how to have a kingdom relationships, you base your relationships on what you've seen or what you've experienced and you are conformed to the pattern of the world. So Jesus wants to bring liberty in those areas. What else is he doing? He's bringing sight to the blind. In Ephesians 1, verse 17 and 18, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. We need to see what Jesus sees. And let me tell you, um, we had some words this morning about offense. If you see what Jesus sees, you will never be offended. If you see with his eyes, you will never be offended. I don't want to offend you, but offense is pride. If you see with what Jesus sees, you won't be offended. And so Jesus is doing that all over the place. He's bringing sight. Those who are blind to the truth, he's allowing them to see. He's bringing freedom for the oppressed. John 8.36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So sometimes people are stuck in physical, emotional, or mental anguish, and they need healing. Guess what? Jesus is still healing. And finally, he declares the acceptable year of the Lord. This is also known as the year of Jubilee. Now, the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years in Israelite culture. And what it meant, it was a great reset, that all your debts were cleared and all slaves were released. You got to start again. John 16, 8 says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin so that this message makes sense. 
so that we can declare it's the year of Jubilee. Guess what? Your debt's been forgiven. Jesus has made a way. Now, the fact that all these things require the Holy Spirit indicates that there is a supernatural element to them. And so if we're called to partnership with his plan, we do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, then that's on you. Sorry to say. Because he has done everything he needs to do to make himself available to minister through you. So you need to learn, if you don't know how to minister in the Holy Spirit, you need to learn and grow in how the Spirit moves through us supernaturally. In 1 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. They're talking about the Holy Spirit. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So there's something of a learning or advancing progress in how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Meditate means to spend time on. So if you don't know how to pray for healing, or if you've never prophesied over somebody, if you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to minister through you, get yourself discipled by someone who does. That's how it works. If, you, if you've never prophesied, find someone who's prophesied before and say, hey, can you disciple me? How'd you do that? How'd it work? What's going on? Hopefully they know. But as well as that, we offer a class here at Redemption Hills called Activate, where um, some of you have done that and um, some of you have actually even done it in a previous incantation, incantation um, where it was called something else. Anyway, it's, it's a class where we, we investigate, okay, what are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? What's the biblical basis for these things? And how do we minister in the power of them? And we practice it and we sort of have a go and it's a good fun time. We're going to be running that course soon. Um, if you're interested in that, if that's something that you feel that you need to be equipped in, and let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you need to be equipped in it, um, then could you come and see me or Fiona after the service? We just want to get a list of how many people uh, we're expecting. We will be looking at running it on a Sunday after the service, and it will run for around two hours. And um, I'm not sure how many weeks it'll go for. Historically, it's gone for nine weeks. I'm trying to shorten it down. There's a lot to cover. We'll, um, we'll play it by year. But if you're interested, we just want to get um, expressions of interest at this stage. So thank you. There's my little ad. Slip that in there. Right, back to regular programming. <clears throat> Listen, if, if, if you don't see yourself as a minister then you are going to grow increasingly uncomfortable sitting here. Because we have an expectation. And, we, and the Bible even says so, that every saint's called to minister. And so we have a grace for those who are yet to receive that revelation. But if it's your belief that ministry is conducted only by elders or leaders or paid staff, then this is probably not the church for you. 
Because, you know, you don't have to pray for the sick. You get to pray for the sick. It's our privilege to be part of his plan. And so it's changing mindsets. It's not about you and about your ability or lack thereof. If you are available, he will either work through you in your weakness so that he is glorified or he will work through you in your strengths so that he is glorified. You know, there's some times where I've ministered out of my depth, way out of my depth, out of my comfort zone, out of my skill set. And I'm ministering here and I'm like, Jesus, do something because i got nothing. And by his grace, he works powerfully and he gets all the glory. But you know what? Sometimes I've ministered within my gifts and abilities and skill set. And I've experienced the joy of operating at my potential in partnership with Jesus. And by his grace, he worked powerfully. Because it's not about us and what we can and can't do. It's about Jesus. Great and mighty. Lord of all. Still doing what he declared 2,000 years ago. And allowing us to be part of it. Would you stand with me this morning? I'll get you to close your eyes and bow your heads, not because it's more spiritual, but because it stops you getting distracted. And I'm going to pray just a simple prayer, and if that resonates with your spirit, then you can, that can be your prayer too. Jesus, we thank you for being here right now. You came and you never left. Jesus, if there is anything I believe about you that is not true and is a distortion of your true nature, will you reveal it to me right now by the power of your Spirit? And will you show me by your Spirit or by your Word the truth of who you are? Jesus, help me to keep my eyes focused on what you are doing right now. Open my eyes to what you are doing in me and around me every day, every moment. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to empower me to partner with what you are doing. Show me today where you are moving, and give me the courage to step out in faith, to allow you to minister through me in the way you desire. Give me eyes to see those around me who are poor, broken-hearted, held captive, blind, and oppressed, that I might be able to declare your favor. And show me in my own life where I may still suffer from these as I allow your Holy Spirit to minister to me either directly or through your children.
Jesus, we thank you for continuing to do what you said you would do and for inviting us to be part of it. Amen. We're going to have some time uh, available for anyone who wants prayer. Um, like I said, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, then um, you can ask you can ask him for that. Ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'd love to be part of that journey with you. If you want to come up the front, there'll be some people here who'd love to pray with you. Um, if you have any other thing that you want prayer for, grab someone or come up the front. Otherwise, have a great morning. Have a great rest of your day. Have your eyes open to what the Holy Spirit is doing, even now, even after the service. Partner with him and have a great week. The end.